0: Today and welcome to Cast Off with Confidence. I'm Jackie Parry and it's good to have you company. Today I'm super excited to welcome Lisbeth Collard. Lisbeth is a fellow sailor but before I introduce a bit more about today's guest I just want to show a bit of gratitude for all our supporters for this show and this episode is brought to you by Pentenius Yacht Insurance. Now With a somewhat international flavour, Lisbeth is in Massachusetts. I'm in Australia. I'm originally from the UK, and Lisbeth is from Belgium originally. So we're going to have to see how we go with our connections today. Lisbeth was born in Belgium, as I say, but she calls herself a world citizen. And it's going to be a cracker of a chat because she admits herself to being someone who never thinks before she speaks. Uh, Travel is her passion, and she's been a successful nomad for about 20 years. She's a teacher, she adores pets, and she captures their traveling life beautifully in her memoir. Yes, she's an author too. Plunge, One Woman's Pursuit of a Life Less Ordinary. It's a riveting read, and when you read that book, you will find out that she's a free-spirited woman who jumps headfirst into sailing adventures with her new husband, Ben, and his two dogs. So sailing is a big part of her life, but so is travelling campervans. And that's where we find Lisbeth today in the campervan getting ready to go. Welcome, Lisbeth.
1: Hi, Jackie. Nice to meet you. And hello, everybody. I'm very excited to be in here.
0: Warm, warm welcome. It's an exciting time. I know you're just taking off about to take off in a new camper van um are you ready
1: Um uh, mentally i'm very ready physically i'm a little exhausted because we've been preparing this new rig and um i don't know whether you know or not but because of covid it was very hard for us to find a pickup truck which we wanted to get and then have a truck camper in the bed of that truck and it took us literally four months to find this pickup truck so that long we've been stuck here and now for the last month we've been preparing a the setup to head west again and go to Mexico, hopefully again. And then eventually the big plan is to go to South America and have a multiple year adventure there.
0: Fantastic. So that's very exciting. So let's just touch on COVID without getting too political There's enough of that around, um, that's been a hindrance. Are you free to go wherever you want over there in America?
1: In the United States we are yes and we actually spent uh, this past February and March in Mexico as well so we were able to cross the border and to be honest without getting too political (laughs) it was actually much we felt much safer in Baja California than we did in the southern states of the United States so um, we are free to travel within this country and to add a little bit to that I actually managed to go to Belgium for the first time in three years in uh, July this past July and we kind of we had our tickets booked but they were refundable and i was really really lucky because in belgium uh, depending on the color code of the country you can come you can come to the country and or you have to quarantine and all the rules uh, just depend on the color of the country you're coming from now as a belgium i was welcome and i could go regardless but if you only go for a couple of weeks and you have to quarantine for two weeks you know that would have been a little bit hard so We very, very lucked out. Like I went the end of June and they had just declared the United States green or orange. So luckily for me, I could go and basically just see my family and friends again. Mm -hmm. And I am vaccinated and we follow the rules and all that stuff. And I needed a COVID test negative to get back to the United States. So luckily I got that trip in because now Mm -hmm. it's much harder for Americans or people coming from America to visit Europe again. So I'm very happy that all that worked out because it's been it's been challenging for us to, like mm-hmm. last year when COVID first started, we were living in our van in, uh, in uh, Florida over the winter because we tried to find warmer places for the winter. And it got really, really difficult because it was the beginning stages. Nobody really knew what was going on. Mm-hmm. So we actually felt like we needed a solution. And we ended up spending six months last spring, uh, summer, and fall at my in-laws where we are now in Massachusetts. It has impacted us, but because... We are pretty flexible and we live in a van or we lived in a van and now we're gonna live in a, in a truck camper we are still relatively free
0: yeah that's good as someone who is aching to get to the uk to see my family i'm, I'm, I'm a little bit jealous um but anyway that's another story well done yeah, and I know Australia
1: them. and the UK, Australia and UK have been very strict and that's probably why your numbers are low and it's relatively safe for probably within the country, but I am very aware about the restrictions in your country. If you have family abroad, it's definitely super hard.
0: Yeah, very hard. It um, uh, affects you more than you think it will. It's, it's a difficult time and we ourselves are in rural uh, New South Wales and uh, we're feeling pretty good about everything Sydney is a few hours away but yesterday we have three local cases now which we did expect. um, uh, Myself and my husband are vaccinated too and just something we've got to ride out and uh, hopefully things will improve soon. I know your family is very important to you and you've traveled back and forth a few times and we will talk about that you talked about, for just where you are at the moment, you just talked about getting your rig ready, and for me, a camper van and sailing have got a lot of similarities. Uh, do you find that?
1: Um, yes and no. <laughs> With a, on a sailboat, it's more life or death situations where you really want to stay on top of things, and I am very fortunate, I have a husband who is very meticulous about things, and he would Pretty much deal with the problems before they appear mm-hmm. and um that habit he also has with our campers so it's always you know in tip-top shape and we always maintain our vehicles really well and i often joke that when we sell our boats or our campers they're in better shape than they ever were you know and then of course they're all clean and stuff too that you sometimes wonder like what not that i don't clean but it's <laughs> like you make everything spick and span before you sell it and you sometimes wonder well Maybe we should just add a year to it now that everything is up to date and, and, and done. But um, so one of the things that we have noticed is the material on boats, the, the stainless steel, is just of much better quality than on camper vans and on RVs. So there's been some, you know, grudging and, you know, grumbling around of not finding good shape and, and good, good material parts. Um, things seem to break a little bit quicker on, on camper vans too because they're usually not built of, materials that are as sturdy and as weatherproof. So, um, you know, based on, on, on how it all works, we actually in our previous camper van had the same kind of fridge as we had on the boat. I mean, the previous camper van we had was very special. It was a unique van made in Europe. And it basically was awesome. The reason we actually sold it is because it's not, it wasn't really suited to go to South America. It was 15 years old, things would need replacing, can't find parts there. So just to get that out of the way, that's why we switched, switched gears. The space on the boat was always more, mm. but one of the things that we say when we're living in a camper is we can live outside and that, you know, to circle back to a previous answer I had is that's why we want to go to places where it's warm because people say, oh, you know, it's only 19 feet. How can you live in it? But the idea is that we get away from each other. Sometimes and we can go for hikes with our dog. We can sit outside like, like the world is our, our, our yard. When you have a camper van, you don't have to get in a dinghy that might be a little stubborn to start. You know, you can just open your door. And to me, that's one of the nice things about living in a camper is you open the door. And you can step outside and go wherever you want.
0: Yeah, I agree. That's an interesting subject you raised there with the the quality of the inside of camper vans. Because Noel and I, my husband Noel and I, we always comment that camper vans, especially in Australia, are so expensive. yet you couldn't go around the world on an ocean on one. I know they're not made for it, but the quality and the strength of stuff, a boat of a similar size is made often to cross oceans and is vastly less money. Um, I, I know other differences come into it. As you say, it's a bit more life and death. It seems a, a big distance apart with the prices of what the vehicle actually does. And maintenance is a huge part make my heart swell when you talk about preventative and maintenance of things i'm a bit of a safety nerd and into into having procedures and maintenance so when you talk about preventative maintenance that's uh, I, I think that's really great yeah with both of you getting on a boat we'll talk about the journey and how you got there what about sailing experience if you've just jumped on a boat did you guys know about navigation and tides and all of that
1: well, my husband does the sailor. I'm the traveler. That's how I always uh, differentiate us. But he um, he sailed as a kid and he learned it more in depth in, uh, in the Bay area, area in San Francisco Bay before I met him. And he was doing courses. He was even teaching, teaching uh, sailing there. And he was doing the beer can races. And he was on the water whenever he, he could, really. So it was really a passion of his. It was definitely not a passion of mine because as you might have read, I get seasick too. Actually, I get car sick, I get any sick, you know, so so a boat is really pushing it. But ever since I've traveled, you know, when I was younger, backpacking, I would go snorkeling and I would be on boats and I just swore to myself, I'm not going to let the seasickness ruin my experience, you know, and I often joke to people that I would see the fish from from in the boat from above, that I'd be vomiting and then the fish would, (laughs) sorry, the fish would eat the pieces and I got to see all the fish as well without, without having to be in the water. I'm sorry, that might be a little bit... Too much detail. But anyway, (laughs) anyway. So back to experience. So when I met Mark, I had zero, 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 point zero zero experience. He, I, he gave me books like those, you know, instruction books to read. But obviously, I learned more by doing it, Mm -hmm. and I pretty much learned everything from him. So based on navigation, I had I had no clue, I had no idea. But by being on the water first in San Francisco Bay, well, they say if you learn to sail in, in the Bay Area, it's actually a good place because the wind is consistent, you know. But anyway, I learned it, some of it there. But then, as you might have read in the book, that first um, sailing adventure didn't last very long. So I got a, a second chance on on Iri. And when we bought our boat in uh, when we bought Iri in, in Annapolis, uh, Maryland, we. On purpose, decided to go down the Intracoastal Waterway. I don't know whether you're familiar with that. It's called the ICW, and it's pretty much channeled and flat all the way down from where we started in in the Bay, Annapolis Bay, the Chesapeake Bay to Florida. And we did that on purpose because the boat was new to us, and for me to learn more about navigation and steer the boat and stay in the you know learn about whatever needs to be known in in the channel. So it's definitely very different to be in protected waters compared to on the ocean. But yeah, so Mark had a lot of experience, luckily. I mean, that's the reason why I went sailing is because it was his idea. Mm -hmm. And then I had zero, but I learned as we went and I had a, a very good teacher.
0: Yes. Yeah, very lucky. I had a similar start with a very good teacher. We're, we're lucky to have that. And just for those listening, the ICW, the Intracoastal Waterway, is part of the Great Loop which goes up the eastern seaboard of the states and then inland through the Great Lakes, places like Lake Superior. Well, there's, there's a couple of different routes, but the Great Loop is westerly through, the, the, through um, the Great Lakes and then down the Mississippi and the Ohio. And I know all this because I've done the Great Loop and it was a, a, a marvellous trip. And I think that's very wise starting off on a boat and and learning in calm waters. That's a a great way to start. And San Francisco Bay, which Nola and I have also sailed out of, we bought our second sailboat there. Um, If you could sail there, you could sail anywhere because not only are the big wind shifts, but big tides and big overruns when you want to get out under that glorious bridge there. So that was a good training ground. Right. And we did also
1: chose for the, sorry, we also chose for the, the Intracoastal because our dogs did not like the first boat we had, which was a monohull. And then Irie, mm-hmm. which we purchased in, in Annapolis, was a like catamaran. So also for them to just get used to the boat and get settled, which they love the cat way more than the monohull. Um, but that was just another reason because it was just better for the dogs to start out that way and get them used to uh, sailing again on a different uh, vessel. And anyway, that's just another reason.
0: Yeah, I did read about that. I'm, I'm only halfway through your book, annoyingly. I just ran out of time, but I'm I'm absolutely loving it. And your honesty is, it's actually infectious. You're like, what is she going to admit to next? <laughs> 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 good. It
1: like does he, make some people uncomfortable. It does make some. I have had some comments about people that, uh, I mean, that well, like in person, when I meet them, sometimes they, they would say like, ah, yeah. But also, and I mean, I don't know, like, and, you know, Americans are a little bit different than Europeans and other parts of the world, I feel, also from meeting people. Sometimes it's a little difficult to, to like, it's, it's too much information or they don't, it's, 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 I don't know, it's, it's personal, but that's what a memoir is about. So I mean, I, I mention I see that in conversations I have with people too, you know, it's it's pretty much on the surface a lot of times in the States until until you start to get to know people a little bit better. So maybe that's a little bit reflected in all my experiences mm-hmm. and the reactions too. But most people they find it a, a big bonus and it's it gets yes. you know, big big points apparently for being so Absolutely, so I, like as a reviewer says like refreshingly honest that's the one i prefer above brutally honest but <laughs> i guess they're both good <laughs> good uh
0: good definitions uh, i i think uh receive them with a big heart with what you're doing because uh that's what you want and that's what's going to help people maybe if they want to go into this life or just escape for a while you want that honesty so it's um yeah. Those comments, I think, just just enjoy them because there's. It certainly doesn't make me uncomfortable. It makes me so intrigued, and it, it's it, it's really does pull you in. And I'm glad. Yeah, I, we have friends um, having travelled a fair bit ourselves. Some of our friends we find Europeans are a bit more to the point um, and don't waste words and honest and we have lovely Dutch friends and and you reminded me a bit of them we say g'day how are you and they're like well we're fine why do you keep asking that just you know get on with the conversation it's but nicely you know it's it's a lovely relationship and it's lovely to have that diversity so just embrace it and with that honesty you talk about you know the, the dogs a bit of a heartbreaking story as that goes on just just general life not not too horrific um but you tr- so you started on a monohull I want to know I know you switched from that and after the monohull you went to a camper van for a while and then on to a catamaran but with your experience on that monohull how did that shape your experience on the catamaran what did you learn from that or take from that
1: well first the seasickness again um I was much less seasick on the catamaran mm. when we had the monohull honestly like we worked on it i think five months before we left and um i was still very much in love with uh, with mark and i was open to learning everything even about engines and, and electrical stuff and anything and i was just embracing it all but i'm not very interested in that stuff so if i've learned anything i was still like the, the great assistant to mark on the catamaran but i was a little more honest that i didn't need to know the nitty-gritty detail of how everything worked so i was a little bit i can't say put off about all the engine stuff but that was a little bit of a switch between the, the monohull and the catamaran i did like the catamaran much better for other reasons too sorry people say it's not real sailing but <laughs> well, that's just ridiculous Once you go cat, you never go back, but uh, the the purists or whatever, um, I don't like the healing myself, Mm. Uh, and I like the light and the catamaran too, and the fact, obviously, it's, it's, it's more, it's more flat. So we were working a long, a long time, well, to us, it's a long time, four or five months or six months working towards the goal of leaving. Usually, we buy whatever we're interested in and we leave, but over time, we have more experience, we prepare more. But what I learned then on the catamaran was, you know, you don't need the boat to be perfect to go sailing. So what we did with the catamaran is we got it ready for us to live on. Like all the systems had to work. Obviously, the sails had to work. It it, it all had to be in tip-top shape to get going. But then anything we required extra, like a wind generator, we put that on in the Dominican Republic. Solar panels we put on uh, while we sailed along the ICW. And as we went, we improved the boat to our the way we wanted it to our specifications or our comfort level so the getting that boat ready took about three months i believe a month in the in the boatyard and then two months while we're on the water so okay. that is definitely one okay. thing I, I learned from that transition of, of the
0: two different boats so why 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 would it take less time for a catamaran to prepare a catamaran Do you think, what's the difference? So um...
1: it's, it's, it's not necessarily takes less time. It's that we feel that, that, I mean, I I cannot say whether a monohull or a catamaran takes more time. It can take the same time. It depends what shape the boat is in. Mm -hmm. But what I was getting at with that was just the mental state. Like the first time when we had the monohull, we wanted it to be, have have everything we needed, which was not a lot, but, (laughs) and also that boat was 25 years old instead of, you know, the catamaran was, I don't know like 15 years old or something like that and on the monohull we were taking out you know hatches and we were like you know fiber like we were drilling them out making them bigger we were doing some serious projects there that might not have been necessary so uh, it's more that kind of like mental state and the shape that the boat's in but I wouldn't Mm -hmm. say it's necessarily Cat versus monohull that would need more time to get ready it's
0: now that that makes a lot of sense um we we came to the conclusion that we had a list and it was getting the boat to a seaworthy and safe state and and ourselves and then going because that list never ends on a boat and, and traveling you you knock a few things off and you add a few more and it's about getting going and doing it on the way so i can understand what you mean about the headspace
1: yeah 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 so thinking about that there's a difference between campers and boats like actually i think our list will be finished by the time we leave here like more more will get added but a boat list is honestly never done never
0: done that is true it is true because it's like you say you've got to keep it in uh, when you're on the ocean and there's uh two miles of sea water beneath you you want to know it's uh in tip top condition
1: yes and that you have enough spare parts that's another thing right I mean you need the parts you need to be able to take care of that boat and Mark and I always did it ourselves that's another way to save money but you need to be prepared for any situation which with a camper is also less important as you can often drive somewhere to get parts I mean depending where in the world you are but now I keep thinking about all that you asked me the question before the differences between like the camper and the boat but
0: now it's you know, it's slowly coming, coming back. That's good, that's good. And, and part of travelling and what, what people are, are often interested in, and I know you're asked this, I'm asked this a lot, is um, how you do it financially. And I, I, and I can see you've addressed that um, many times in your blog, your phenomenal writing all the articles in all the magazines. Can you, can you describe that in a nutshell to me now? What, what makes you successful financially as a traveller?
1: Well, first, obviously, we don't have a house, and I actually never had a house, so we don't pay utilities, we don't pay a mortgage, and we don't pay whatever else comes with owning a house. Um, Secondly, my motto that I mentioned somewhere on my blog, I write an expense report every month on my Mm. blog, so just basically, again, no taboos, no, every, every cost is in there um i didn't do it during the boat years i wrote it down but i never did it like online or anything but one of my mottos or my motto there is the less you spend the less you need to make so since we're more about quality than quantity whether it's money or whether it's travel experience and stuff like to me that i think i feel that's what helped me most throughout my whole life now you know, I often think we should splurge ourselves a little more. We should enjoy life a little more. I know it's weird coming out of my mouth, but, you know, we have enough stress and we have, you know, we basically have a life. It's a lifestyle that we're doing. We got a lot of things going on. But one of the reasons also why I can still go is because we barely spend any money and we stick to the essentials. Like our, our biggest category is like always our vehicle, whether it's the boat or the camper or that's, that's the highest cost. So we need to maintain that. That's very important. And then of course groceries but everything else is it's basically up to you in my opinion but every person themselves need to figure out what their priorities are and for me travel has always as long as i can remember been a a priority my pocket money from my parents i saved to go travel when i worked as a teacher i tried to save as much as possible to go travel so it's it's mainly in my opinion an an attitude and i don't want to take away you know i know if you have children you have that cost and I know you know that there's a lot of factors there but I think the root is definitely with the individual themselves and what they find important
0: so does that make sense that makes perfect sense and I'm nodding I can feel myself nodding because I, I I agree there is no definitive answer and you doing your costings for each month on your blog and which blog is that one on for people to look at it's roaming about it's called roaming about so yeah. roamingabout.com roaming about I'll, I'll include this on our on our website all the links but yeah. So... W- yeah i was gonna
1: say while we were on the boat i think our average so we were on the boat for eight years and our average cost per year was between twelve thousand and twenty thousand and 20,000 us dollars so we also would, we pretty much hauled out once a year because we have, anyway, sail drives in our catamaran and they needed to get hauled out to yep. be able to service them. We always put new bottom paint on and even then, I mean, bottom paint is super expensive, yeah. But even then two months back in the water and we were down there, you know, scraping, you know, first algae and stuff and then barnacles again. So pretty much between the 12 and the 20,000 a year, that was our, our, our cost while we're on the water ever since we left the boat. So we've been pretty, we've been house and pet sitting, which means we stayed in other people's houses to care mm-hmm. the, the the animals, free exchange. We would provide our services, but so we didn't pay, they didn't pay us because we had electricity and water, you know, animals around us. But ever since we left the boat, our average is about 16,000 a year that we spend US dollars, yeah. which is about $1,300 $1, a month for two people. And then now uh, an adult dog.
0: Yeah. Um, it's it's an interesting exercise and and people looking at you putting down expensive is is a great help but it does come down to the individual for example when noel and i first started sailing on our very simple boat we rarely ate out i cut our, our hair that's just two small examples but having that weaved throughout our whole existence that we coped we used our skills to maintain the boat and and didn't didn't splurge very much on us, occasionally we did. And it's, it is absolutely about attitude, um, mm-hmm. a, and having the right skills. So I, I totally agree with you.
1: Yeah, yeah. We have to we have to wait to splurge until we're back in Mexico and we can have the street tacos for a dollar fifty a piece.
0: Yes, and they're wonderful mojitos. Yes, mm. yeah, we know them. So that's one part of traveling you know the financial side of it and the other side is family and you've mentioned you've been back to Belgium and and through your book you talk about going back home and you talk about your wanderlust and how your parents don't have a wanderlust much like mine um you grew up with your dad being in the navy so he's done some traveling with work but now they enjoy their home comforts whereas you're still got this urge to keep going and you you've done some research and found there's a wanderlust gene that you think you might have.
1: Yeah, I did, I did stumble across that when I was trying to figure out (laughs) where the nomadic uh, vibe or blood or whatever came from. I don't really know much else. I don't even remember the name of that gene. I think uh, I wrote it
0: down, yeah, it's got it (laughs) here somewhere.
1: I don't, I mean, I actually sometimes compare it to an addiction too, like the traveling, but I mean, I is it, is it not? I mean, the itchy feet is definitely something that's ingrained in me, but honestly, I still don't really know where it came from.
0: Yeah. I have no yeah. idea. I, I wonder with me, if it's looking at my parents, if it's because they didn't travel, I feel like, not I should because I want to, but, yeah. you know, it's just having that difference maybe. And, and that, that gene, for anyone that's interested, because I, I was a bit fascinated for this, it's DRD4-7R. So not not very romantic, but there you go. <laughs> and how are your parents now, how do they feel about that you're still in America and you're, you're traveling still?
1: Well, the thing is, they kind of, they, they got used to this years ago. I mean, I've been doing this since 2003. So what is that, like 18 years, a little bit over 18 years now, because I left uh, beginning of July of that year. Um I, my parents, I don't know, maybe that's a typical European or Northern European thing too, but they don't show a lot of emotions. So hard to say, you know, how they feel about it, but they're definitely used to it. And they embrace me trying to come home or once a year, which now it's been, a well, now it's not long, but before it was longer than that. But I used to try to go to Belgium once a year, or once every other year. And then, uh, when we first started sailing and even our previous camper in 2004, they came and visited me, uh, yes. probably about once a year, but if I'm seasick, my mom is a hundred times worse. Oh. So visiting the boat was not, did not happen often, you know, she so even get sick in a plane. Yeah. So, you know, I, I try to see them once a year. And if that happens, we're all happy. If not like right now, because we're, Somewhat settled. This summer, I called them once a week on Skype, but once we're in the in the camper again, that that'll stop too. But luckily, there's internet, there's emails. You know, yeah, it's been nice. You know, good or bad about technology and internet, but there's definitely some positives to that too.
0: Yeah, there is, and um, I'd like to touch on um, a bit about c- connectivity while traveling because it's a huge subject, and I'm I'm a little bit glad it wasn't too much at the forefront when we did our sailing, but now it is with people wanting that. And your super clever husband, Mark, with his abilities, with his computer and technical skills, um, together you created, you became entrepreneurs on board. And I was really fascinated by this. So you're both called Irie. Irie. Yeah. Irie and you called the company Wiry, which is what well, I thought was really neat. Can you tell us a bit about that what what you guys developed and and sold
1: yeah so again many i mean even even me being a nomad it's all just all originates in the same the same place like something happens coincidentally and that turns into something else you know we started very small with something and then end up you know we say we're going to sail to the bahamas we end up in tahiti we say we're going to drive to mexico we end up in panama we say, you know we'd like to actually create a product for ourselves because it's tiring to just get the computer in the backpack get in the get it all splashed, find an internet cafe or a bar a restaurant, manage to get the code somehow, have it work I mean I mean, I know people who've sailed in the, what was that early 2000s, no know, know exactly what I'm talking about. It was a major hassle mm-hmm. to be able to to get online, and the only things you want. to, to access while you were online was the weather and staying connected with friends and family. That was that was pretty much it back in the day. <laughs> yeah. So what happened was that um, my husband uh, back in Saint Martin, he was visiting Mega yachts to to help him out with uh, with you know with with networking problems, and they had systems to get online, but it was all very complicated. So complicated that nobody really knew how to use them. No, I mean. As it not nobody but you had to be a network engineer to understand what, how it worked and one day we came home from being on shore you know not being able to do everything we wanted to do i was also writing a blog so we came home and we talked about i said like how annoying is it to always have to go to shore and my husband said well there's there are systems that you can actually connect to from your boat i'm like why did you never tell me this before like but then the problem was they were super expensive Based on him, they were not marine-grade, so they were, the quality was not really good, and it was really hard to understand the systems and, and you know, use them. So he, we talked about a little bit, and I guess one thing led to the other, and he said, Let's, I can try to put something together. So that's actually how it started. So he just researched components and built a product with the best marine products, all off-the-shelf parts mm-hmm. in the beginning, and then built his own, the own, our own system. And so then all of a sudden, believe it or not, but hey, we had internet from the boat. It was with a USB cable still back then. And friends were like, why do you have, how how can you have internet on the boat? Like, what's going on? Or they were like, what is that little thing, you know, sticking up up your uh, shroud or or wind generator? And they wanted it. So I'm I'm first thinking like, well, just (laughs) build it yourself kind of thing if (laughs) you wanted it. But Mark was like, well, I know where to get the parts. You know, St. Martin doesn't have import duty. We can order some, so we ordered parts. And um he built them and we went to a cruisers meeting, they all sold within a week. And then we needed a name, which you know I'm not good with names, but I did come up with the wiry because Wiry means it's all good. And then wiry, the W Wi-Fi, Wi-Fi, that's all good, you know? Yeah, sure. Smart. It's good. <laughs> so then but but one thing led to another, Jackie, and it was like, geez, it's like, write, like writing this book. You start with one thing and it just yeah. blows up at so much work. So and then it just starts you needed a you needed a logo, you know. And then you needed a website. And then we're like, well, if we have a website with all the information, because we had flyers, but if you have a website, then why to try to sell it on the website. Mm-hmm. So you have to learn all that. You have to you know how to process credit cards. And, and just one thing led to another. Mark, uh, Mark's brother who lives here in the States, Tim, he was out of a job back then and he's has the same background as Mark. So he got involved. And then long story short the product evolved over time with the technology and mark and i in the caribbean would build them on our boat and sell them all through the caribbean but Mm -hmm. once we left to the pacific we were not involved in the 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 producing and and selling it off the boat anymore it was all just done by his brother here so the shipping and the building was done here so and over time it became a wireless product and then our last last product the last product line basically combined wi-fi wi- wi-fi and data data connection so with the press of a button so mark also developed uh, the interface and he actually developed the product too with a company in china and go back and forth but the press of a button people who had our product could just change and choose whether they use the free wi-fi of the marina or a signal they could, right. or yeah. if that was not possible know you needed a sim card internationally but or anywhere but you needed different sim cards depending on the country and then just you know use the cell data if that was the easier way to get online
0: (laughs) well that's huge i i the amount of work that goes into all that setting up um as someone who set up a company and what it leads to and, and how you have to pull everything together is um you really cannot understand the complexity and the amount of work and passion and drive you've got to have to not only set it up but keep that momentum going and yeah so doing that on a boat is is a pretty amazing achievement then writing because that's a whole another area that's another job another setup you know not only have you got to have the desire the skill You need the equipment, you need the connections, and then you have to build your relationships with magazine. Most of us sort of have to work pretty hard before we're published and get known and build that momentum. And not only is it the written word, it's the photography, it's the, the captions. There's a lot that comes into it and so that, You've been writing a lot. You've got an extraordinary amount of published articles in magazines and uh, they uh, make great reads with your honesty coming through once again. But I wanna talk as well about becoming an author because that's, um, as someone that started off self-published myself as well, it's, it's huge. How did you get drawn into that? Tell me a bit more about your writing and your book process.
1: All right. Well, writing is much easier than starting a company.
0: Yeah. You know, first of all, you don't you don't
1: have the customers. (laughs) You don't have to I mean you do you do keep improving, but there's no not really that much technology that you have to figure out. And also the expectations of people, sorry to just circle back a little bit, but it was just funny because we sometimes had to run the company at and on 2G. If anybody even remembers what that was like, <laughs> yes. like in like French Polynesia, two G, and all we wanted to, our product luckily helped to see whether there was any hurricanes. But we had customers who were kind of mad because they couldn't stream Netflix. You know, so so just uh, the, you know the, pro, the the progress and how all that developed over those nine years we, we ran this company. It's it's massive, it's an right? But anyway, back to the writing. Um. Yeah. So so my native language is Dutch. And English is not really um, a national language in our country. We have yeah. you know, three
0: languages, Dutch, French, and German. That always every- amazes me about Belgium. Sorry, it's such a small country and you right. have <laughs> this diversity. So carry on. Yeah, but as
1: you, as you travel, English is, you know, yeah. is, is the main language. And then obviously being married to an American and all that. So English, after a few years into me using the language, be- actually became the more comfortable language to be too. So I'm just talking about this because I've been writing a diary for since I've, ever since I was 14.
0: Wow. So that's
1: that's a long time. And that was always in Dutch. And recently I switched that to English. Too. But the, the fact is, while I was on the boat, and I think it was around 2007 in St. Martin as well, I started writing in English. My blog was already in English. And I don't even, I think the first articles I ever wrote had to do with us. So we had two dogs on board too when yeah. we uh, left the United States and one dog was left when we're in the Eastern Caribbean. And I kept hearing from people that they'd love to travel with their dogs, but how, I mean, how the hell could you get to, you know, the ex UK, because the rules were very strict. So Mark and I had done it with our dog Darwin by following the rules by whole, lots of work to like contacting the the governments. And anyway, long story short, I think the first two articles I wrote was about how to travel with, with your dog in the Eastern Caribbean. And it was published in Caribbean Compass. And I soon found out, like, you know, on the boat, you read Caribbean Compass, which was uh, some news, kind of a newspaper uh, magazine. And then all at sea was the other big Caribbean uh, magazine. So I just started, you know, getting into it, looking at the guidelines and starting to enjoy the process of writing about the destinations we visit or some themes. And I got in a position... Luckily for me, <laughs> where I could write an article and the editors, both editors, it uh, was still Gary Brown for all and then Sally Erdl at Scribbing at Compass, were pretty happy with what they read. So that's probably why I got, you know, that's how I got started with, with getting articles published, was in those two magazines. And then it branched out to, you know, different, more well-known magazines. And um, I mean, honestly, like writing comes very easy to me. And luckily also in English. Yeah. Um, I would never write, and would never, you know, use proofreaders or editors or anything with my stories, except at the end, before, you know, like the, before they would get published. And lots of people who are also international and who English is not their first language, they would tell me, "You're so lucky. You have a you have a husband who speaks English and writes English." And I'm like, "Ah, yeah. not this one. I mean, <laughs> it's fine, but I'm the one." You know, proofreading the manuals for the wiry, and I'm the one correcting his English. <laughs> so, anyway, funny, funny little side story. But it was pretty much a a one woman job until, obviously, you know, it's going to get edited and proofread by by the magazine editors. Yeah. So, does that answer the question?
0: Yeah, absolutely. And and you've been in a in a, as I said before, a vast array, array of magazines, which is. Quite an accomplishment, and uh, I'm I'm a little bit jealous. It comes easy to you. It's something I. It's got easier over the years, but something I have to work at. And and so then you've progressed into pulling your stories together and creating this glorious book plunge, which is available. Well, we'll put the links on, but I know it's on Amazon. And I was struck by it's been less than a year since you published, and the amount of reviews you have in that short time not to say it wasn't deserving but it's so hard to be seen these days because everyone can publish relatively easy nowadays but it's so it's hard to be seen so you have a lot of reviews in a short time a lot of good reviews but how did you find the process of you know you've you've written your book which is work it is it is a big thing to do and to keep that flow and to construct a story that just leads you forward but then when you have your product there's still more to do so how did you find that and and what how did you do to get it out there
1: yeah to me that's probably the hardest work like honestly I feel like I have to pull like you know how they say like the dentist pulling teeth or whatever it's maybe not that bad but I feel like I, I have to deserve and work hard for every single sale and even harder for every review it's like you know you don't really want to keep pushing but it's almost like you have to because you know sure people who know you will buy your book but how do you go beyond that yeah right and then how do you get them to to leave a review because not everybody I found not everybody is comfortable uh writing either sharing the opinion about the book or writing something up that's public like for you and I it's easy to say you know we're writers just write it and, and that's it but some people there is definitely a uh a a bump there or an obstacle to do that um but that being said i honestly i've been working i feel like i've been working much harder ever since the book was published or probably two months before it was published because it was really hard those last steps but you know the writing is the easy part and when people told me that before i i would never believe it like it's like those old salts saying the bahamas is the best cruising destination you know you don't believe it it's so close to the states you know Writing's the easy part, really, then, you know, why do people say it's hard to publish a book if writing is so easy? <laughs> <laughs> but obviously, there are many, many steps. And just like starting a business, I guess, writing a book is a little similar to that. Yeah. And Mark and I, we are pretty much on our own everywhere. Um, so we, we, we do a lot of research, we have to, we have to figure it all out. And the thing that that makes my book stand out, in my opinion, is because I also, have a little bit of a different approach. Like it's very different than my blog and my article in the way of how it's written and how I pull the reader in and want him to come with me on this ride. And that's why I wrote it in the present tense, which is not often done in memoirs, because memoirs are usually reflections of life. And it's seen from from the author's point of view, knowing what he or she already knows by the end of the story, and then just but I really wanted to experience it myself again. And I wanted the reader to experience whatever happened to us too, because our life is just I don't know, so many things happened that you wouldn't just believe, believe.
0: Yes. No, I do in a way, you know, as, as you might find out later in the book too. I don't want to put any spoilers out. No, um, we might have to talk again, but I know I can understand. <laughs> I I I like as well as supporting people on the water, I also support riders and help where I can. And uh, that is a bit of advice that I'm 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 not popular in saying. You know, mm-hmm. you're writing a book, you haven't got to the hard bit now. And that's not to put people off, it's to prepare them because it is hard and, and to keep the momentum going is difficult. And I, yeah. I want to pick up on something you said about people say you're so lucky and it's something you've written about and it's something yeah it's something very close to my heart people look at us and say you are so lucky and i have the same reaction of you as you luck has very little to do with it so if you'd like to tell us your thoughts on that
1: well you obviously touched on something here (laughs) (laughs) um so lucky is winning the lottery and getting a million dollars just falling on your head i think that's pretty lucky I mean, lucky also can have to do with your genes. If you're born with, with health, if you're born with bad genes, or I mean, I mean, there are many situations. If I really think about it, that luck actually could have something to do with it. But once again, just to circle back to um, how people can save money and not spend a lot of money, it's a little similar to that. So many things in life that happen, or that you know that, that happen, I guess, is because you, as a person, decide you want. A or B, or you just, you know, you just go for it. And if it's your passion, call it passion. We are yeah. so passionate, you know, or call it, I don't know. You're so flexible or, you know, you're so open-minded or you're so honest. Or you're, I mean, those things, sure, I can live with, but you're so lucky. You know, as I write in my book, I find the lucky part is where you were born, yeah. right? That is definitely lucky. Probably your first years of life too, how you're raised, that might be, lucky too but once you're an adult you have your own future in your hands it's 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 your it's your destiny and you do have some say in this you do and it's just based on your priorities and your passion and what you want in life and sure it might be expensive but if it's really what you want then you make it happen you work towards it you save you i mean there's so many examples of what people would like to do in life and there are ways to get there as long as those goals are realistic Yep. and i guess for me to be honest being a nomad was never my goal it just it just happened but hey i'm liking it so yeah. you know i'm gonna do whatever i need to do to keep keep living this lifestyle
0: <laughs> that's right yeah you can tell we're in total agreement on it and i think when people maybe it's because how we portray um a lot of our life is we're happy because we're doing what we want and then maybe it looks easy but it's not it's not easy. Right. We, we yep. work hard. We work hard. Right. And maybe right. we just don't talk about that as much. And, and we have our difficulties. And you and I both have talked about them in our memoirs. And, and we, like everyone else, have hurdles and challenges we have to overcome. And it's just just part of life.
1: Yeah. And those challenges and difficulties, they're, they're in a way, they're different than people who are not living on boats or in campers. But many of those challenges are also similar, which is, is, is why, like a memoir in you and in my situation, many people will be able to relate to this. Not necessarily the being on the water, but the, the being in a relationship or, the, mm-hmm. or your health or I don't know what you eat. or I mean, there's so many things that we have in common with other women or other people that there's definitely always something to touch upon. Yes. But the whole thing about lucky too, like I, I have people tell me that I'm so lucky that my book is, is is doing as well as it is. And I'm thinking to myself, and these are other writers sometimes telling me this. Oh. And I'm like, it's so much work. Yeah. It's, you know, this doesn't come easy, right? I, I've been building on, on, on connections and, and being on social media and my blog and, and responding and being very communicative and and building my my, I don't know, I won't call it platform. I don't like all these terms, but just my community. And then you have people who just publish a book and they're telling me, so tell me, you know, what are you using to to get publicity and just just give me all the ins and you know and (laughs) you know promote this for me and do that for me, which I'm happy to do, don't get me wrong. But it's just, it's not that easy. It's not easy to get where we are, which with whatever we've done, with with the sailing for that long, with the business, with the book you know, with training our dogs, just to give another example, you know, people always tell us, your dog is so, your dogs now, your dogs are so well behaved, (laughs) well, they didn't come that way, I mean, I don't know, (laughs) so,
0: maybe we're lucky, maybe we're lucky with our dogs, you know, just to, you know. (laughs) (laughs) It's, uh, it's, you touch on community there and I, I like that instead of using platforms it's your community and that's what this is about chatting today is, is a community of other sailors and uh, other writers and letting them know that it is possible and to do it and we're here, to, here for support and and giving tips and ideas and being a successful author and being a successful nomad and making that transition let's say let's keep it from um, land to boat life um, if you can the show's called cast off with confidence can you distill down to a a couple of sentences or what advice you'd give to people thinking about following the type of thing you and i have done to cast off with confidence well, I've
1: touched on the passion before. I feel if you're passionate about something, and this is a cliche that you only live once, but seriously, you do only live once. And yeah. if there are, you know, if you're passionate about something and there's something you really want to do, you have to go for it. And I know I am totally aware of, of you know familiarity and comfort and luxuries and, and things you're used to. And you do have to expand your horizons to sometimes yeah. try new things or follow your passion. And I'm not taken away from the fact that people are a little scared of that. I'm just thinking like there's always backups too. Like when people tell me, you know, should I just sell everything and go on a boat? I'd say, no, you know, (laughs) not not from the beginning, just, you know, try it out first, have a backup plan, rent out your house, your apartment, whatever it is that keeps you to and and try it out. You know, Mm -hmm. I mean, ask help, ask help from friends, you know, read stories, listen to stories, be inspired. That is important. So the passion and also believe in yourself, which is a little bit related to that, but we are all able of doing much more than we probably realize ourselves and often getting in a certain situation, you know, you you might not have planned it, but if it's an unexpected situation, it's where you're creative and it's where, you know, you really come out and you find solutions and and you'll get there, you'll get there and these are the the things that make you stronger, right? Yes. First, I mean, I sometimes joke that Mark and I always find the most challenging ways to I don't know buy something, look for something, live in it. But honestly, look at me. I've been sitting here for five months in this place, and I mean, I'm not not complaining about it. There's advantages, right? Electricity, water, you know, internet. I can work on my, like, focus on my book and all that. But it's it's we're we're getting surrounded by walls here and we need yeah. to get out and explore again. And if that means not promoting my book or not writing, so be it. Yeah. It's just, you know, I if if something is your passion and I'm probably like screaming a little bit because I'm being passionate, because I'm passionate about good. travel and writing and, and animals. <laughs> But uh, I, I would just say even the confidence, I'm not saying you need confidence because a lot of us, when we try new pursuits, don't have the confidence to do it. Otherwise, it would be so difficult and challenging. So, again, it's all personal, but yes. I just feel I'm, 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 I'm actually very happy. Maybe I'm lucky that I realized from a young age that I wanted to follow my dreams, even yeah. though that's a cliche again, but I'd, I'd like to do what I, what I enjoy. And so many people, they don't get to do it until they're retired because they feel they're stuck in the and whatever social norms and they feel they need a lot of money and agreed, you know, once you're retired and you don't have the financial burden of needing to work the whole time while you also try to travel, it's, it's definitely something to be said for that. Yeah, but a lot of people tell me I wish I did it earlier I wish you know I wish I wish I wish and. If there's one thing that I always say is, whenever my my biggest goal in life is to have no regrets when I die. Yeah. And I'm trying my best to.
0: You're to achieving do that. Do <laughs> not saying. have regrets.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I, again, though, it, it, it's like people, you know, feel it, it's not all glorious. It's not all great. You know, it's, it's a lifestyle. It's people keep telling me, you know, what you're doing. You know, I want to do it. Well, I'm like, if you want to do it, do it. But I can't. Well, why can't you? There's, there's there's a lot to be said. As you know, you, you live the life as well. There's a lot to be said about this lifestyle. And while I love to inspire people too, they need to know that it's not all lovely cocktail sunsets and, you know, sail away uh, into the horizon or whatever. All right,
0: this. yes. <laughs> Quite right. I was just talking to uh, in my last interview with uh, Ivan Signorelli, fellow hello, boaty and, and trainer as well. And he said... Um, you have to get used to what he says to people, you have to get used to being uncomfortable. be comfortable yep. with being uncomfortable. And to ex- yep. expand on that, what what struck me about what you're saying, what I think is that um, you and I, and I think a lot of people who have pushed to do what we want and when it's not been easy, is that we we are uncomfortable with being we are comfortable with being uncomfortable, but we also are excited about that push, about that, oh, I'm not sure if I can do it, but, well, I've had the thoughts, I've got it now, whether I think I can or not, type thing. I mean, I I love that. I put myself in all sorts of silly positions that terrify other people, but they actually terrify me too. But I kind of like that. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's a little bit similar
1: to what I said, and it, it comes down to the scale or the balance or whatever you call it. You know, how much discomfort are you willing to take for an experience that you really want to have, right? How seasick do I want to get to cross an ocean? How uncomfortable do I want to get in an anchorage to really visit that particular island? So, I mean, those are, you don't have the answers to that, obviously. And once you're in that situation, well, you kind of have to go all the way. And maybe that's part of an advantage of my impulsiveness. I, I might be fearful about it. I might not really want to do it or, or something is keeping me. But hey, if you say, A, hey, if you get on that boat, crossing the Pacific Ocean, there is no way back. You gotta, you gotta ride it out. And That's it's with right. many things like that, right? If you jump in the water to go snorkel on a trip, you know, what well, what well, where are you gonna go? I mean, there's either the boat or the water. There's not really any other place where you could be comfortable at that moment. So sometimes I feel like you said, I'm sometimes doing it on purpose to see what happens, but also because then I know it it's gonna happen. Right. If you don't try, it's not gonna happen. Yeah. So it's, it's a little bit of
0: of having that attitude, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. And that's not to say we aren't grateful. We may not believe in luck per se, but we both have a lot of gratitude. And I was reading about, you wrote a lovely piece on gratitude. Where does that come from as I, as I get older? Is it, is it maturity? Is it more time? And I, and I feel like that as I get older, more gratitude and, um, I take moments to appreciate our new house we've built and my horses, and I know you've got that that gratitude as well. Yeah, pressurized
1: shower every day. Still every day I take my shower. I'm totally grateful. No, I'm just it's just a small example, but
0: it's I think that's and brilliant. I, I,
1: <laughs> I agree with you that it does come with age, though, because I remember when I was younger. Also, you didn't think about health. You just you just did whatever you wanted and just hoped that it ended well. And luckily, most of those times it did end well. But now I, I, I honestly appreciate the small things. I, I, I might not say it all the time, but I think that's part of what makes us happy too. Is, is that we can appreciate the things that are going well, or the things we're enjoying, or, or all these things, right? And a house. Maybe one day I'll, I'll have a house and be grateful for that too. I think it's, 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 it's a good thing to be grateful.
0: Definitely. It's marvellous and I just smiled when you talked about your shower because I'm exactly the same having started off on a tiny boat most of the time we didn't even have a shower on board let alone a fridge and and now I have two showers in the house and every time I'm in that shower I'm grateful for it.
1: Right. It beats jumping in the ocean in the salt water every time, cold or warm or whatever's going on, <laughs> rinsing off for yeah. the sun shower.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's... And in
1: our campers, too, I mean, we, we do like a military shower. Or I think that's what it's called. You turn the water off. You just, you know, you wet yourself, then you put some soap on and then you rinse it back off. And when in the camper, honestly, we only shower every two days because we want to preserve water because the longer yeah. we can go but with the water, the, the nicer and the less we have to fill up on the boat. It was easier because we, collected rainwater or we had big jugs to go get water.
0: I'm going to start wrapping up soon. I have so much more I want to touch on but there's just a couple of things um, and I think we'll have to have another chat down the line. Right now you're getting ready to go uh, in a few days I believe. What's the plan? Is there a plan? What do you think? Is there a plan? (laughs)
1: Well, um, there is no plan other than a vague, vague destination. We love the West Coast of the United States. Everything obviously is going to depend on COVID and our freedom to roam or wherever we can go. I'd say the idea is to uh, spend some, if not all of the winter in Baja California again, in Mexico. And then at the same time, we're kind of keeping an eye on South America. And whenever we feel it's safe there or they accept visitors. And I mean, like I tell people too, like, what's what's the use of going that far down if you can't see Machu Picchu or they're not allowing you in museums or, or restaurants? or It's all going to be depending on that. But it's it's safe to say that our next adventure is going to be South America because that's why we we got this setup. You know, to finally make it happen. We've been talking about this for a while. but it all starts like when Mark said when we sold Zesty, when I when I suggested that he's like well at least it'll put some fire under our bums to change gears and finally start planning or prepping to go to South America which we're now at that point we have our rig now it's just a matter of when you know it's not if it's when.
0: (laughs) Yeah that's exciting you've shared so much with us today Uh, and I've had the best time i i want to chat again down the line but is there something today if you were sitting here that i should have asked you you yeah i mean maybe one
1: thing would be how do you deal with friendships Mm. like i mean i mean i have i have the 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 friends in in belgium i only see when i when i go there but the good thing about that is they're long-term friends so it's as if i never left anytime i go back which is a little tricky because i do go back and the connections are awesome. Relationships are awesome. The mm-hmm. chats are awesome. But everything has changed because now all, all of a sudden these people have, have children or the yes. children are going to college or there's extra houses or there's more traffic. or So it's, it's, it's a very weird thing that you can only really understand if you are from a certain country that you don't visit a lot and how it changes over time. You have changed too, but you always expect it to be the same as when yeah. you grew up or when you were there last. It's, a, it's a very It's a very strange sensation. But so the, and then, so that are, that's the old friends. And then on the road, you meet so many new people. Cruising, you meet so many people. And honestly, my best friends to this day are people I met while traveling. yeah So I have my my best friend, Matt's sailing. She lives in Grenada right now. So I'm very much in touch with her. And then I still am in touch with quite a few sailing friends and and camper van or camper friends. So I guess to answer my own question, You stay, you stay connected via emails mostly. Like, I know people do it on Facebook too, but I, I'm still an email person. Friendships, you know, if that's what worries you, leaving a familiar area, your friends, your family, you can. it's not the same, but you can stay in touch via mm-hmm. Skype, via email, and you go and visit. And just think about all the friendships you made and all the places these people will live and how you can just travel the whole world and visit friends everywhere.
0: Isn't that awesome? <laughs> Yeah, it's a, that's a really good question you've asked yourself there and uh, <laughs> a good answer because uh, we have exactly the same thing and I would agree that our friends, our closer friends are ones that are far away and uh, have done the same thing we've met on the road. And we called it a, a life of goodbyes because you're sailing, you meet, and then part, and meet and part, And there was a life of goodbyes and you had to not take that on. You just had to sort of take it as, yeah. as part of it, otherwise it could get a bit, bit heavy and people we met did find that. And the other thing we found, if you found this, that when you meet people on the road, you don't have time, to nurture and grow that relationship slowly you dive straight in because it's it's there right now you don't know what's happening tomorrow and friendships happen faster
1: yes yeah i totally agree with that and i just just i just i know we have to close off but i was just thinking back like when we were in baja california mark and i um we met the spanish guy who took his van into mexico and is traveling around the world so oh, he found out about my book and man he bought, he bought an ebook online and he started reading it and we we had we had barely met so every evening when we would hang out for a drink he would have read more pages and you know soon enough he knew so much about us while we knew nothing about him so that was kind of an interesting thing so so basically you know if you really want somebody to know you write a book and then you know, <laughs> give that book to the first you're your meeting or or sell it to them and you know there you go
0: that is a good point uh, uh Lisbeth I have had just a wonderful time chatting with you today and uh talking to friends I feel like I have a new friend and I think we're certainly kindred spirits you and do you do <laughs> that's lovely and I think we'll sign off now and we wish you well I won't say fair winds I wish you smooth roads
1: all right, thank you so much, Jackie. It was very nice meeting you, having the chat, and I agree. You know, we we should we should do this another time. We got we have a lot in common and many many interesting topics to discuss. So thank you so much for having me today tonight, and I wish you well too with all your pursuits, with the horses and the house and everything else that you are
0: passionate about. <laughs> Thanks, Lisbeth. That was Lisbeth. Collart with us today on Casting Off for Confidence. Go over to Sistership Training for more details of where you can contact Lisbeth, where you can buy her book. I can't recommend it enough and all her blogs and and you'll be able to follow what she gets up to next. Um, I wish you safe sailing.